on prayer. And now, our Heavenly Father, in these few minutes that we have left to look into your word further, we praise you for the parts of this worship already passed and by which we have been helped. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will now take thoughts which we have in these remaining minutes and so embed in them in our minds that they may be useful to us in living for thee. We praise you for the gifts which you have entrusted to our use and ask that you will take these gifts which we bring back to you and superintend their use to the end that they may do one thing, glorify you and your Son, our dear Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name they are dedicated. Amen. The time changed this morning, and the sermon is going to change, and we'll sing a chorus at the end instead of the longer hymn that I picked out. We'll sing uh, that beautiful little chorus, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which Mary sang a moment ago. Uh, the reason that I want to do this is that there are a number of students here, and we're thankful that they're present with us. There are some things that many of you uh, uh, can learn, I think, from this. My wife and I went over this this morning, and uh, I woke up saying that I did not feel comfortable with the lesson that we had because we've been on this Wednesday night, and we'll pick it up again uh, next Wednesday, but it's too detailed to get into now. What I want to talk to you about, especially to students and especially to those of the rest of us who need to hear it, is that distractions are dangerous. This comes from an old devotional that I heard many years ago from a good Bible teacher, and it takes three passages of Scripture. The first I can uh, read to you and then uh, give you the gist of it, and then you can remember it. Distractions are dangerous. I know this very well. I'll never forget coming up this road by Anderson Auditorium when there was a huge conference in the auditorium. There were cars that were bumper to bumper all up and down both sides of the uh, street. We had a very exuberant cop here then who was one of my friends, and uh, he waved at me and yelled, Hey, Calvin. And I turned to look at him, and the lady in front of me, I was going very slow, uh, stopped her car, and when I looked back, bang. And I saw the cop do like this. He was a little like Barney Fife. Um, uh, <laughs> and we had a time. Anyway, it caused me a lot of trouble, and the other people a lot of trouble. Now, distractions are dangerous. That's the point. I took my eye off, and the other guy meant well, and uh, I meant well in responding to his call to me, but it cost me a big lawsuit. <laughs> and uh, I uh, don't recommend your looking away quickly when you're uh, driving. Distractions can be dangerous. Now, here is the first distraction, that, and I want to take a very uh, typical, wonderful, wonderful man. I'm so glad that the Lord called Peter to follow him. I'm glad that Patsy Neal used him as an illustration this morning of the personal God who deals with a personality like Peter. I can identify with him. Uh, Peter didn't just put one foot in his mouth. He sometimes had to take the other foot out to get the other foot in. Uh, and uh, the first time that he comes into a real encounter with Jesus is at the Lake of Galilee where Jesus is a, uh, sees these, has been teaching you. And it came about when the multitude was pressing about him and listening to the word of God. And that's why we're here this morning, and we've heard many references to Scripture. 
He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. They had little fine, thin nets that had to be carefully cleansed. If you've ever been to the Sea of Tiberias, uh, you'll uh, be invited to eat at a little restaurant there, and you can see the fisher folk taking those little fine nets and uh, cleaning them and getting the trash out of them so that they can cast them out. They can swirl them out and, and encompass a little shoal of fish with them. And so that's what they were doing. They have to be carefully cleansed because they have little weights on them and they can be cast just right. And he saw the two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, which was Simon. Jesus had a wonderful way of commandeering things so that he could teach or preach. He uses officials. Uh, sometimes I've had to stand on a, on a tank uh, in an army camp or a marine camp to speak to a group of soldiers or top some sandbags. You use whatever's there. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to push it out a little way from the land so that he could get to the crowd of people speaking to them. And he began teaching the multitudes from that boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked all night and caught nothing. I'm sure that Peter is thinking, you are a carpenter. I am a fisherman. I have fished all night. I know this lake. But you are also the Lord. And at your command, I'll do what you say. But at your bidding, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. Peter, <laughs> this really got his attention. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. That was a lot of fish. And when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The first distraction, to look too much at self. What if Jesus had answered his prayer and it departed from him? But that wasn't the point at all. Jesus wanted him. He could use Simon and how he's used him down through the ages. And how he can use you and me. But when we get our eyes on self and our own inadequacy, this can hurt us terribly. Peter looked at himself, thought of inadequacy, and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him, and all of his companions, because of that catch of fish which they had taken. And so also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. Peter trembled and feared and was distracted at himself. But then Jesus told him, You encompass this great multitude of fish, but from now on, you and your partners with you will be catching men. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus, sang Mary a moment ago. Let not conscience make you linger, nor a fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to know your need of him. So don't be looking out when Jesus is here. This will distract you and make you inadequate in your service. He can use you. He made you. And just as Patsy said, he loves you and calls you by name, not group. He calls you by name. Then there is a second miracle that occurs in Peter's life. And that's in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus had sent his disciples in obedience to what he told them to do uh, to the other side of a lake. He told them to go there on the other side of the lake, and he remained up in a mountain to pray. And immediately... He made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him. That's after he had fed a, a huge crowd of people. And go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. This is in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many uh, stadia, that's a unit of measure, away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. When Jesus is interceding for us now, and he knows my need in seeking to communicate to you, and he knows your need if you're willing to listen for some voice from him, he sees them battered by the waves and the wind, and in the fourth watch of the night, the darkest period of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. We sometimes sing that hymn, Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature. He can walk on the sea. The very waves which batter these disciples and cause them to be afraid are stepping stones for him gone. There's no problem there. This is God incarnate. This is the Son of God. He walks to them on the waves of the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened and they said it's a ghost and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And here comes our friend. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. That was a courageous thing to ask, wasn't it? None of the rest of them said that. Peter might have been boldly speaking, but it was a boldness which we don't see in the other apostles that are there. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. The things which frighten us the most terribly in life can be used as stepping stones to get to Jesus. But seeing the wind, here comes the distraction. He became afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him and said, Oh, you of little faith, 
Why did you doubt? What else distracts us? Self can distract us. Our own inadequacy pitifully distracts us. But if we will give that inadequacy to Jesus, he can use it. When I spoke of self a moment ago, I meant to tell you the story of a grand old minister in England who had been a long time in a church, and his session met because it was time for him to retire. They had to ask him to leave the vestry while they met speaking of his retirement, and he was brokenhearted. He went out into the churchyard and sat down on a tombstone and thought about his own life being miserable and inadequate. And a little boy came in the churchyard, and he was the son of a school teacher. And he told the little boy the story of Jesus that he had told a thousand times. That little boy believed in Jesus as his Savior and reckoned that to be the time in his life when he was converted. And that little boy was William Carey who became the founder of the missionary movement. So you see, when that circumstance of self was overcome and the eyes were put on Jesus, here it comes. Here, is, here are circumstances that are terrible, that distract the wind and the noise. The people that we prayed for this morning who are sick know this feeling. But Jesus speaks to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And when they look to Jesus, when Peter looks to Jesus, he can walk to him. If we see circumstances through the power of Jesus, then we can win. It's important for us to keep our eyes on Jesus and not be distracted by the circumstances. Even circumstances here are the boisterous waves and the... Uh, storm, but there can be other distractions too. This week there has been a great turmoil over the presence of visit to uh, a military cemetery in Germany. And I can understand the sadness that exists there. I wish he wouldn't go myself. Uh, I, I feel terribly sad because of all of the wretchedness of the Holocaust and what it put upon people. But this, is, this one incident has dug up the old wounds again and made people think of all the horrors of that wretched time. And when I think of this this morning, I can remember a beautiful time when I was in Lausanne in Switzerland, and Steve Vecito, I believe, is here this morning, and Steve and Sam and some of the rest of us uh, in Al Andrews. I remember we went on a, a, a boat to Avion. Uh, it, some of us wanted to say we went to France and we didn't have enough money to go to France. We were in Switzerland. You just crossed the lake. You're in France uh, <laughs> on the ferry boat. But Avion is an interesting place. There's a huge, beautiful place. There, a grand hotel. In 1938, in that hotel right there, there met some ambassadors and diplomats and representatives of, the, of many countries in the world to discuss the plight of the Jews in Germany. 
there were only about 570,000 Jewish refugees that were being asked to be taken out of Germany. And Golda Meir was 40 years old. But you know what? Later, when a reporter went back to interview the bell captain there, he said it was a beautiful day outside. The sun was shining. People wanted to play golf. At night, there was gambling in the casino. There was beautiful music. And you can't expect people to listen to speeches. And so they did nothing. They went by on the other side. And later, Himmler felt that it was too expensive to spend a half a cent apiece on Zyklon B gas to exterminate, to murder people. I don't like that word, exterminate. Murder people. And so some people were, and this is carefully documented, little children were thrown live into burning crematories. That's the horror. And that's why people feel like they do. But you can be distracted. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and do what Jesus would do. No matter what happens. No matter what happens. Look at these horrible circumstances of death. Rachel Boom saw Jesus. And in the death camp, she could overcome that evil. Horrible, dark, wicked, demonic spirit that had invaded the German nation. And she could speak Christ to prisoners who were going to their death. She could go back and witness to others, and she came right here to Montreat and spoke right here to us. We need to look to Jesus. That used to be one of our favorite verses, looking unto Jesus. Uh, she would tell us, don't, don't look in, you become depressed. Don't look out, you will be distressed. Look at Jesus, said Corey, and be at rest. The last thing I don't have time for in John 21, when an event, when Peter had failed, <laughs> notice his events the first time Jesus meets him, then walking on the water, and then after the, the resurrection and comes to these men who had gone fishing on the Sea of Tiberias, and they've toiled all night again and they didn't catch anything. And they see a stranger on the shore. And the stranger calls out to them, You caught anything, boys? And they reply, No, they've caught nothing. And then the stranger says, cast the net on the right side of the ship as opposed to, to the left. Just the difference of that little boat made all the difference. They cast their net as Jesus commanded them. And immediately they had this enormous catch of fish. And Peter said, it's the Lord. John said, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps in the ocean and in the sea and heads toward the shore to pull in. He must have been a powerful man. He pulls that big net in with all of the fish, and John is careful to see that the number is given, 253 big fish. That would have been quite a strong man. He pulls the net in. And then Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
He gives him work to do, feed my sheep. He doesn't say, you blew it, Peter. I don't have any use for you anymore. Don't speak to me again. There's no chance for people like you. No. He asked him three times because he had denied him three times, and he reaffirms his call and gives him a job to do. And then the third distraction enters. Peter looks at John. And Peter says to Jesus, And what shall this man do? And Jesus said, What if it's my will for him to stay here until I come back again? What's that to you? You follow me. So what's our other distraction besides self and circumstances? Other Christians. Sometimes they can bug us and get us distracted. You ever have people who are other Christians who bother you? Some have the gift of bothering you. <laughs> you know, one guy always comes up and says, your, your shirt collar is wrinkled. Or do you like this suit better than the style now? <laughs> then <laughs> That kind of hurts. Uh, they, they don't mean it. I don't think they know what to say. But... Uh, the Lord can use everyone, but I don't, I don't know what John is going to do. That's not my business. He's told me what to do. I'm not going to be Billy Graham. I'm not going to be Oral Roberts. I've got enough problems just being me. Uh, I've got my own thing that I've got to do and my own accountability to the Lord to witness. And so do you, each one of you. You're very important. He made you. He died on the cross for you. He forgave you of your sins if you've trusted in Him as your Savior and Lord. And He wants you to be kept in His service. So I'm saying this, don't be distracted by self. Don't have a low estimate of self. You're a child of the King. As the bumper sticker says, you're a King's kid. Don't be distracted by the harsh circumstances. That'll get over. Look at them through Jesus. He'll see you through. Don't be distracted by other Christians. They've got their thing. The Lord's got his own purposes for you. Be faithful to him. Three points and a point. I don't look back. God knows the fruitless efforts, the wasted hours, the sinning, the regret. I leave them all with him who blots the record and mercifully forgives, and then forgets. I don't look forward. God sees all the future. The road that's short or long will lead me home, and he will face with me its every trial and bear for me the burdens that may come. But I do look up into the face of Jesus, for there... My heart can rest. My fears are still. And there is joy and love and light for darkness and perfect peace and every hope fulfilled. And you can look to Jesus right now. You can ask him into your heart in your own way.